Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God, through His Holy Spirit, He empowers us. There's a work that God has called all of us to do that's beyond what we could do in our own might and strength. Everybody here is called to do something that you can't do without God. You can't. There's some stuff you can do in your natural human ability. But there's something God has called all of us to do that will require God's God's power. Uh, We all need to be looking to be used in that way. God, help me to move beyond what I can manage without you. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you of some of the core functions of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity left on earth after the ascension of Christ to act as a helper to Christians. The Holy Spirit is what empowers Christians to do the work of the kingdom of God. The work of the kingdom is not easy work. It can't be accomplished by the strength of man alone. We need supernatural empowerment to do what God asks of us. All we have to do is respond to the Lord's calling and be obedient. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Now, this word anointed in a lot of our church circles gets thrown around and used in, in, in ways that don't really agree with the scripture. So I'm going to take a minute with that one today. Um, what does it mean when someone is anointed or something is anointed? Here, here's how it gets used a lot of time. You know, someone will say, oh, that's someone, someone that really sings well. Oh, that is, that, her voice is anointed. No, she's a good singer. A really good singer. No, I just, there's an anointing on your voice. Every time you sing, I just feel the Holy Spirit. No, I, I mean, anybody heard some good singing? from a non-believer I mean Aretha Franklin I could you know I, I sing Luther Vandals and my wife feels warm and fuzzy you know it's not the Holy Spirit you know I'm just kidding so um, <laughs> but it, it's that's not what an anointing that's not what he's talking about here if somebody preaches and he's got an anointing then there's a whole way you got to speak and you walk different if you got an anointing and you talk like a all of that is churchy stuff that's not really biblical here's the thing anointing is not upon like certain people in the body, a special class of people, some high ranking. Um, Every time in the New Testament that anointing, someone being anointed is spoken of, it's in the general, uh, speaking of just the body of Christ in general. It's spoken of twice in 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, and both instances, he just, John is just speaking to the whole church that God's anointed us. He set us apart. He's put his hand upon us. He's empowering us. It's us. I don't get to stand up here and say, well, God's put an anointing on my life. To, and not you guys. You guys just sit down and listen to my anointing. God's anointed all of us to go out and be used by him. And that's the truth. That's, that's, the, that's what the Bible actually teaches. So when Paul says it here, look, he established us with you in Christ and he anointed us. Paul says, look, me, who's a minister and the apostle and you guys that have been talking about me bad, y'all anointed. God's put his hand upon us. God has selected us and elected us. And his, his desire is to use us to go out and have an impact. All of us have been anointed by God, hand upon our lives. Um, I think this is why I think it's important that we don't isolate it and make it seem like, you, you know, it's, it's an anointing is some high super thing. Because then this is what ends up happening is you get a whole lot of people sitting and watching some some guy or some girl do their anointed thing. And everybody else was like, I don't have that anointing, so I'm just, I'm, I just, I must be just called to watch. And that's what happens to the church. A lot of what happens in our church culture is broken. 
People get saved, they go to church, and they make it a lifetime habit of attending, listening, sitting, singing, go home. And then their church attendance is what, what's, what their life is. God anoints us to go out. God wants us to go have an impact. God wants to use every single one of us. When we come here to church, we gather like this. It's, I would liken this to a football huddle, right? Um, it's, we're gathering together. We're all on the same team. We're getting some instruction. And after the huddle, after the guy says whatever he said, they say, break. And then they got to go out there and be about the business that they just talked about. I mean, they got to go about they got to go out there and face opposition. They got to go out there and live out what they just heard. And then they'll come back together and say, I didn't work out that time. He messed up on his play or whatever. And they got to get regroup and they go back and do it again. That's what this is. We're coming together. We're regrouping. We're gathering people that have been beat up out there in the world. We're giving you some water and some refreshment and pouring into you and building. Then we got to go back out there and be about this thing again. Um, so when we come together here, we can't come in. What if you came into the huddle and start getting hit? <laughs> you, you lose for sure. You know, you can't come to the huddle and your teammate tackled you for, you know, the last play you messed up on. You come to the huddle, you got to be refreshed and built. That's what we're doing. We're gathering for that purpose. The, the goal is not for us to become professional lifetime pew sitters. Uh, we come to get instruction, but you got to do something with what you're learning. You got to go home and live it out, go to work and live it out, go to the community and live it out. Um, God's giving you gifts as you come into contact with what the gifts are. You got to use them for his glory, use them for the benefit of other people. Every single one of us, not just a select class of anointed people. Everybody here is anointed with something to do for the glory of God. Amen. We want to be about that business. All right. Two more things. He says that God has done in us or for them. Twenty two. He says who has also sealed us and he's given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts uh, as a uh, um, as a guarantee. So the Holy Spirit seals us. Right. Everybody that's born again. God says that God puts a seal on you. Um, you can't see the seal and I can't see the seal. But God says I put a seal upon you. God knows those that are his. Um, now, the thing is, we want to know. Right. I, if God's like I, I put a seal on everybody that belongs to me. Um, we, we, we can't see the seal, right? I don't, I'm, I don't want somebody saying, the Lord showed me, I looked in church and I, I saw everybody who had the seal and those that didn't. Because people do foolish stuff just like that, right? The seal, the seal of God, God can see it. God knows those that belong to him. Um, it, he hasn't, it hasn't been the will of God that, to reveal the seals to us. It's his deal, right? But God does want us to know individually. God is not as concerned about me being able to discern whether you got a seal or not. God's like, Bill, do you know? Do you know that you're mine? That's what I got to be concerned with. Do I know that the Holy Spirit dwells inside me? And so the second thing God seals us, that's him identifying those of, the, of us that belong to him. But the second thing, or the, third, the, the last one, the fourth one here says, and he has given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Something that God gives everybody born again, everybody that's given their heart, their life to Christ. God gives us the Holy Spirit. Let me explain who the Holy Spirit is. Some people call the Holy Spirit an it. They act like the Holy Spirit is an it. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, it, it, was, it was moving. It, it, it made me fall. It, it, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not an essence. It's not a force. It's not a power in the air. The Holy Spirit is a person. There's God the Father, person. God the Son, person. God the Holy Spirit. Over in Acts chapter 5, remember Peter told Ananias, you haven't lied to men. You have lied to God. And then, then he told him you lied to the Holy Spirit. So we know the Holy Spirit is God. And he didn't say you lied to it. You lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You didn't lie to men. And so we know the Holy Spirit's a person. And so God said, look, the person of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. That's life changing. 
You can't be the same. God has moved in and lived inside you. And this is what he comes to do. What's the work of the Holy Spirit? How do I how do I quantify? How do I know that he lives inside me? Well, you look for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. What does he come to do? First thing he comes to do is to convict us of sin. People that weren't saved. You know, when, when, when I was not born again, I didn't feel bad about the sin I was doing. I, some of the stuff I felt good about. When I stole stuff, I felt good about it. I felt like I came up. I, I, I celebrated it, you know. Um, other sins I did, you know, I won't ruin your Sunday mornings with it, but I felt, I felt good about my sin when I wasn't saved. Then I got born again, and I got saved, and now there was the internal work of God in my life. I felt convicted. I felt there are sins I overcame. I wasn't doing them, but I felt bad about the fact that I was still tempted about doing them. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Am I even saying, why do I still think like that? You know, why am I still tempted to do those things? If I'm really saying I battled with those things. Um, but the fact that I was even concerned was a work of the Holy Spirit. I've talked to people many times that come and they're, they're, they're so concerned. They're concerned over the sin in their life. They're convicted. They're bothered. And they're, it's, 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 they hate it. You know, and they're like, I just need help. I said, well, first thing I'll encourage you with, right, the way, the reason you feel like that. Because nobody knows. You, you, you came and divulged this information to me. The only way I know about it is because you told it to me. That's the Holy Spirit at work inside you. So at least we know Holy Spirit's at work. Convicting you of sin. That's a good thing. You know you're, you're his. Now, this is, what, this is the way it works. This is how sanctification works. God live in you, make you hate your sin, and you'll hate it so bad you'll be miserable in it and you want to stop it. And eventually you'll cry out to God to help you. And then God's like, that's I've been waiting on you to get there. You know, God will move in and make you feel about your sin the same way he does. I hate it. I don't want to be that guy anymore. I don't want to do those things anymore. And then I finally get broken enough, try to do it in my own strength and fail to where I finally come to God to help me. And then God will help me. Sanctification. And you look back and I'm no longer doing that. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit still lives there. And so he'll be dealing with some new stuff. You know, you overcome that sin. And God's like, we already got that victory. I got another thing. I've learned this over the years. I'm never going to be done. You know, if you're hoping to be done one day, if you, if you, if you want people to get condemned easily, it's like God seems like there's always something. They'll all until you get to heaven. You know, with God is so he's merciful and he doesn't throw it all on us at once. Um, but he's like one or two things at a time. And as we get a victory here and a victory here, now I'll start dealing with this thing over there and we get that victory. I'll deal with some new things. But one of the evidence that he lives inside you is the Holy Spirit will convict you about your sin. Something else he does, um, the Bible says that he guides us into all truth. So one of the works of the Holy Spirit is internally at work, guiding us in the truth. And so some people come into contact as believers with erroneous doctrine, things that are false, things that are not true. And the Holy Spirit's in there saying that something's not right. I don't know what it is, but something's just not right. You want to heed that. Um, the Holy Spirit's in you saying this is something's weird about this group. Something's not right about that. Um, it's the Holy Spirit. That's his job. When I first got saved, I didn't know any verses. I didn't know John 316. And the guy that led me to the Lord and his wife were new believers. And some group said, hey, we're going to come over and do a Bible study. You should come over. And I was like, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm born again. I'm excited. I'm going to go to Bible study upstairs in my apartment building. I go upstairs and they start talking and they know the Bible very well, but they took his wife off in the back and the guy stayed in the front with us. That was weird to me. And then as I'm listening, my buddy had signed up to be baptized at his church and they were like, no, you can't get baptized. You got to go through our class and then, then get baptized with us. And I was like, you know, it may have been the, the, my flesh. I was like, how are you going to tell him when he can get baptized and when he can't get baptized? You know, I, that don't seem right neither. You know, and, and it was just something very disagreeable about everything. And even though 
I'm watching them go, shah, shah, you know, and I was impressed with their knowledge of the word. I remember they left and I was like, I don't think that was right. And I called the pastor where I was going to church and I said, hey, this group came and they were saying this, that and the other. He said, is it called the L.A. Church of Christ? I was like, yeah. I said, How did you know you're a prophet? You know, he, he said, yeah, he said, hey, he said, man, they're a cult. Tell them don't come back. You know, and I called my buddy and said, hey, it's a cult. You know, tell them don't come back. And they call you like an ex-girlfriend, you know, ding, ding, you know, you got to you got to cut them off. But I always have looked back to that and said, you know what? When I didn't know no word, that was the Holy Spirit saying mm -mm, that don't get wrapped up in that bill. That's going to mess you up. So that's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. You got to listen to him. I'm always concerned when I find someone that's been from cult to cult and group to group. I'm like, either the Holy Spirit's not there or you don't yield. But how you end up at every where everywhere you've been is false. And God ain't never told you that's not right. God ain't never said leave. God had never spoken to you and said that that's, you know, I, there's nothing. There's never been a check in your heart that something's incorrect about this atmosphere, this teaching, that behavior. Um, we want to be, you know, yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit. He comes to convict us of sin. He comes to guide us into all truth. Um, and he does many other things. He comforts us. There's a supernatural comfort of the Holy Spirit. When a person's hurting, there's places that the Holy Spirit can minister to that, that human beings cannot. God will comfort us with a supernatural comfort that comes from his spirit. Um, the last thing is God, through his Holy Spirit, he empowers us. There's a work that God has called all of us to do that's beyond what we could do in our own might and strength. Everybody here is called to do something that you can't do without God. You can't. There's some stuff you can do in your natural human ability, but there's something God has called all of us to do that will require God's, God's power. Uh, we all need to be looking to be used in that way. God, help me to move beyond what I can manage without you. Um, God's Holy Spirit empowers us in our service to him. And so as Paul runs down this list, he says, hey, he's given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Um, the heart there is that we would know. We should know that we belong to the Lord. If you're here and there's doubt, if you're uncertain, unsure, I'm not sure. I think I'm saved. Um, I, I find that there's a couple of reasons why people battle with this. And it's not always because they're not saved. Some people are born again. They're saved, but they don't understand grace. And so when they mess up, you know, some people feel like when I'm doing really good, I know, I know I'm saved. Woo, you know, I prayed this week. I, I even shared with a girl at work. You know, I'm born again for sure. Um, <laughs> then you have a week where you mess up, you sin, you fall off, you don't read your Bible, you just you're unfaithful, and I don't know. I feel I don't know if I'm even you know. And and that's just that's a that's a really rough way to live. You know why? Because when Satan has you unsure about rather you are saved, you won't live like you're saved. You won't do what saved people do. You why you why would you witness to someone else the gospel when you're not even sure if you have it right now? That's why it's so important we understand grace. Here's what grace says: Grace is God's unmerited favor, giving us what we don't deserve. Right? I'm saved. Was there anything I did to be saved? God did all the work. He did all the heavy lifting. He took my sins upon Himself. He went to the cross on my behalf. He died in my place. And he was buried and three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering sin, death and Satan. And then God says, receive me, receive me, receive my forgiveness, receive bill. You don't deserve it. You never were deserving of it. You've never been good enough for it. You'll never be too bad for it. It's a gift receiving. And God gives me faith to believe. I believe it. I say, God, I believe. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe you died in my place. I believe you rose from the grave and I believe that I cannot make it to heaven without you save me, forgive me, I receive you. And God doesn't reject anybody that comes to him, right? 
Romans 10, 13, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this is what I got to remember, right? When I got saved, did I deserve it? No, that's why it was grace. That was wonderful. I wasn't deserve it. I wasn't good enough for it, but I received it. Um, God's gift to me. I'm saved. Now on my best day, I'm pastoring. I'm praying for people. I'm ministering the word. I'm anointed or whatever. You know, all of that stuff. Am I, am I now more worthy? I was never worthy. I'm not, I'll never, I've never earned it. And so that's a healthy mentality that you never do so much for God to where it's like now, now, now I, now I feel like I deserve what God is doing in my life. It's a grace of God. I've never deserved it. This is the position of the believer. We're always working in a response to what God has already done, right? Any service, anything you do is got to do it in response to who you are and what you've already done for me. And so, uh, but some people will struggle with that because they they don't understand that it's, it's a free gift. It's an act of God's grace that they got to earn it. I hope you guys will know that you, you can't earn it. You can't ever be that good. You've never been that good on your goodest day doing your goodest goody, goody things. You've never been that good. So it's impossible. So just receive the gift. Amen. Just say, Lord, thank you that I'm not good enough, but you love me anyway. I receive it. That's how we're to receive the gospel. And so uh, and I think that'll keep us from from being on that roller coaster. Uh, the other thing is this, you know, I, if I don't have the assurance in my heart, the, the Bible says that uh, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So if his spirit ain't bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, then you need to get saved. So his spirit can bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. In 1 John 5, John said, I wrote these things to you that you would know that you have eternal life. It's something that you can know. And so if you don't know, then you want to surrender your life to God so that you do know. And so um, don't leave here today with that as a question mark. If it's a question mark in your heart and in your mind. Um, last last section here, 23 and 24. He says, moreover, I call I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you. I came no more to Corinth. And so he says, the real reason I didn't come back was to spare you guys. I call I, I call God as a witness today. Uh, that to spare you, I didn't come back. Um, Paul said it, it, it wouldn't have been a good trip because of the condition you guys were in. It's, it's for your benefit. I can, to, to spare you, I didn't come back. And so then last verse 24, he says, not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. Two things in this last verse, then we're going to pray. Paul tells him, look, we don't want to have dominion over your faith. Uh, I, I tell anybody here, you reject any religious group that wants to dominate your spiritual life. Um, it's I'm a pastor. I'm a spiritual leader. It's, it's a limitation on that. My goal is to get you to Jesus. He's to have dominion over all of our lives. And there's never to be a man or a woman that has dominion over you. Jesus has dominion over our lives. Most cults and weird groups Elect, they erect people over people that have too much to say. That one code I was talking about, they they assign you a discipler. They get all up in your life. They tell you who you can go out with, who you can meet with. When you're ready to date, they'll pick the person, set up the date, and, and they, they get all involved where they don't belong. I, I There's no room for a Holy Ghost Junior, right? <laughs> there, there's no such thing. So no human being belongs in that place. God wants to be the one that's in dominion. And any minister worth his salt is going to be pointing you to the Lord. It's going to be telling you, go to him, pray to him, read your Bible, seek the Lord. My, my goal would be to get people so connected to Jesus that if they leave and go somewhere else to Timbuktu, they're still with Jesus. 
Um, it's a failure to, to, for me to become that. One, I'm not available 24-7. I don't know everything. I'm not all powerful. I can't help with, you know, you'd be, you'd be so ripped off if a man became that to you. Let it be Jesus. And so Paul said, look, we don't want to have dominion over you guys. We don't want to have dominion over your faith. He said, but we, we're fellow workers. We're working. We got, we're part of the body of Christ, and we, we, we want to have. We, we're fellow workers for your joy. And he tells them this in closing. For by faith you stand. You stand by faith. Not, on, not in us. You stand. Your faith is what you stand in. But he says, we want to have joy. We, we, we're fellow workers for your joy. Any healthy spiritual leader is working that, that you would be doing well. That you be right with God, that you would enjoy the joy of God as you're right with him. Um, there is a verse that was in the reading uh, this past week, and I want to read it to us. It's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Speaking of those that are in spiritual leadership over us and what our hearts and attitudes should be. Um, Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Notice what it says. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. That's essentially what Paul is saying. Paul said, we, we, we want to do it with joy. We want to oversee you guys, but we want you to be good. We want you to be taken care of. Um, so I challenge everybody here, you know, as, as we all have people, I have people in my life that God has given as spiritual leaders to me um, that, that to, to, to guide me at times, to correct me, to instruct me, to, to help me be all I can be in God. It's important in my walk with the Lord, what my attitude to them is. And it's important to the Lord. How's it going? Are they are they overseeing me with joy? Right. If you're if you're a spiritual oversight, you know, what brings you joy to see the people that you're overseeing doing well with God to see. Man, look at that. They're doing so good. They got joy. I see them walking and serving and growing and, and things are moving forward and progressing. That's that's it. That's the goal. Um, that's that's God's heart. Right. Um, but in, in Hebrews, he said, don't let them do it with grief. Right. If those that oversee you, if you're a grief, if you're a bummer, if you always fighting and bucking the system, that's what that's what, you know, Paul is saying to this group. He says, hey, guys, we're, 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 we're he's coming alongside him. and saying, we're fellow workers for your joy. We want you to be OK. Uh, we we want to all have that heart. We want to make sure that we're we're on the right team and the right part of what God is doing in his body. Amen. So a few things in closing, um, as Paul had to offer up a defense, um, you know, I would challenge anybody here that is in some kind of opposition in the body. Go to them one on one. Do, do the right thing. Do it the right way with the right heart so that we can get the right result, that things can be resolved. People can be at peace. People can move forward in a, in a way that honors God. Um, if you're part of, you know, those that, that uh, if, if you have that weakness where you tend to fill in the blanks. As they were doing and assuming the worst instead of believing the best, just repent of that today and stop that. <laughs> you know, don't believe the worst about people. Believe the best. That's walking in love. Uh, I would even say there, there. Then it's just on my heart. So I would say this to some married folk, right? Believe the best about your spouse. Um, nobody wants to be accused and pat fingers pointed. Believe the best, unless you know otherwise or you've seen otherwise. Believe the best about your husband and wife. Um, you know, especially if you've been wrong before, it means you can be wrong again. So just believe the. I'd rather believe the best and be wrong than to believe the worst, have said it and then find out I was wrong. You know, um, be, be good to your husband and wife. Believe the best about them. Lastly, as God has established us, anointed us, sealed us and given us the Holy Spirit. Um, the goal of all that is that we would belong to him and be of service to him. Um, those two things. 
Are you sure that you belong to him? If not, we want to pray for you. And if you're not, I mean, if you are sure you belong to him, are you are you of service? Are you yielded in service to the Lord? If not, we want to pray for you that you would be. Second Corinthians is a book that circles back to some things that were hit on in First Corinthians. There had been some sin within the church in between the first letter and this letter. The Corinthians had dealt with the sin and were moving past that, working toward unity and forgiveness. This is something that's easier said than done. The hard work is addressing sin, but sometimes the hard work that's required after that is choosing to forgive once the sin issue has been resolved. This is the best way for relationships to move forward after having a rift. Are any of these topics something that you can relate to in your life? Pointing out areas of sin, working at forgiving, and striving for unity? Of course they are. You're human. We like to come alongside you and be a support in these areas that you might be currently addressing. Would you text or call us and share where you are in the process? Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd be happy to listen and pray with you through these things. If you're in the area, it would be so great to meet you in person. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you'd like more info, go to CalvaryInglewood.org for our location and directions. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you in the days that we're living in. Join us again on A Transforming Word.